You're listening to a message from Maranatha Church of Jacksonville. For more information, please visit our website, maranathajacks.com. Hello, Maranatha Church. Welcome back to the podcast. This is week seven in our Acts series, and we are going to look at Acts chapter 12. This past Sunday, Mr. Andy Hefty did an excellent job preaching on this chapter and mainly focused on Peter being rescued uh, out of prison. And the people were praying for Peter to be released. And the church at the time was praying and God heard their prayer. And it happened really quickly. And Peter was released and the people couldn't believe it. And so if you haven't listened to Andy's message, go back and listen to it. And so I wanna mention um, something here in this chapter about King Herod. So we see in the very beginning of Acts 12, we see King Herod, was the man who was uh, now, uh, it says, violently attacking those who belonged to the church. And we see the execution of James, one of the 12 original disciples that was martyred. And King Herod was now the one who was taking the place almost of like uh, Paul when he, before uh, or after Paul got saved, um, Saul. And uh, now King Herod is kind of the guy that took that position as the guy that was gonna see how many people he could try to eliminate from this thing called the church, called the way. And um, so we see that King Herod now is stepping in and playing this part. And actually King Herod here in Acts 12 uh, has relation a relation to the uh, Herod in Matthew 2 at the birth of Jesus, Herod the Great. And so this was his grandson. So King Herod in Acts 12 is the grandson of Herod the Great at Jesus's birth. And if you remember that story in Matthew 2, Herod the Great was the one who murdered all the Israelite boys under the age of two, trying to snuff out the king before he was born. And we know that he was unsuccessful. And so that was a long time ago, probably, you know, 30, 40 years um, 35, you know, in there, uh, from this time here in Acts 12. And so now the grandson of Herod the Great was trying to do a similar thing here and take out all of these uh, new births, these new uh, Christians. And so you kind of see, you you know, Jesus's story there, his life sandwiched between these two Herods, where one Herod was trying to kill uh, Jesus, trying to kill these baby boys in hopes that he would kill the, the king of the Jews but that was unsuccessful. And now we see um, two generations later here, King Herod, another one, trying to take out all these um, new births, these new Christians that were also part of this movement. And uh, he was unsuccessful. And so Herod, um, then we see after Acts uh, 12, the first few chapters, we see the whole Peter rescuing uh, part where Andy mentioned. And then if you go at the very end of Acts 12, 12 in verse 20, it says that uh, Herod now, he was leaving that area that uh, happened where Peter was rescued. He was very upset. He killed off some of the the soldiers that were trying to guard Peter. He he executed them. He was mad. He goes down to Caesarea, which is the same place that Acts 10 and 11 happened. And so now he's in Caesarea and he's upset. And there's these people from Tyre and Sidon who were... um, who Herod had been angry with them. And so these people in Tyre and Sidon, um, they were relying on the king to give them their food supply. 
But King Herod was upset with them. He was very angry. And so you didn't want to mess with him because his plan to execute Peter was, uh, didn't work. Peter was saved. And um, so King Herod wasn't having a good time. He was not happy. And he was very angry. And he was angry at these people in Tyrus and Sidon. And these people were trying to please the king in hopes that he would not be angry with them anymore so that they could continue on and live in their community with food. Because if Herod got so angry, he could cut off their food supply. And so they're trying to please please Herod. And Herod uh, gave this speech. And it says that he stood up and gave this speech. And he was appointed with these uh, royal robes. And he, he, and he was seated on a throne. Here in Acts 12, 21, it says he was seated on a throne. He delivered this speech. And the assembled people began to shout, oh, It's the voice of God and not a man. And so these people, I don't know if they really were, you know, meaning that uh, or if they were just trying to kind of, you know, suck up to, to King Herod so that he wouldn't be angry with them so that he wouldn't cut off their food supply. They were probably scared that he would do that. So they were trying to please him no matter what. And they were looking at this king, this this political figure, and they're like, let's make sure that we are in good terms with him so that he doesn't cut off our food supply. It's the voice of God, and not a man. And King Herod probably felt pretty good about this because he's been having a lot of difficulties trying to kill off Christians. And, and Peter, his prized prisoner, was released and he was very angry. So when he heard these words of these people, it's a it's a, a God, not a man. He was like, yeah, you know what? That's right. I am a God. You know, he probably felt that way and thought that way. And so because of his uh, thinking that way and not giving glory to God, it says at once in verse 23, at once an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give the glory to God and he was eaten by worms and died. And so you see here that uh, God didn't want King Herod to take credit for anything. Um, because King Herod was opposed of what God was doing. And God was like, not so fast. And then in verse 24, it says, but the word of God flourished and multiplied. And so you see a picture of God's dealing with an evil king, but you also see God's mercy on the people because the people were shouting, it's God, it's a voice of God. But God didn't strike the people down. He struck the king down because the king was taking credit. And the people, yes, they probably should not have said that. And they were probably acting in fear because they were worried that a famine would come because of this evil king. And they were just saying things to please a man instead of God. So they should not have said that, but they didn't get struck down by God. God took out his anger and his wrath on this king. And in Acts 11, at the very end of Acts 11, we actually see a famine happen. And in Antioch, a famine happened. And the people in Antioch, they didn't trust in the king to do something about it. They actually trusted in God and the church to help them. And we see relief happen in the famine. But here, before a famine happens, these people in Tyre and Sidon were just scared of a famine. They were living in fear. And they thought it would be a good idea to say, hey, this King Herod, maybe he'll help us, um, you know, hopefully, or they weren't in a famine, but maybe hopefully he won't cause a famine. So let's let's make it happen. Yeah, it's a God, wow. But God struck him down and not the people. So we see God's great mercy on the people and yet God's wrath against King Herod. And so then at the end of Acts 12 and verse 25, 
It says that after they had completed their relief mission, Barnabas and Saul, which they were part of the relief mission during that famine in Acts 11, they returned to Jerusalem, taking along John, who was called Mark. And this is just, you know, if you keep reading in Acts 13, it just keeps on going with this uh, Barnabas and Saul now, uh, or, you know, Paul. And they are now more of the central focus going on forward. So we see kind of this pause in the uh, Barnabas and Saul mission in like Acts 11. So you, you see Peter in Acts 12, and then at the very end of Acts 12, once again, Barnabas and Saul, and then in Acts 13, which we'll get to this next next Sunday, or this Sunday, we'll see them uh, carrying on this, this mission. And uh, so before we get there, though, I do want to finish with this thought about uh, Acts 12 and the King Herod trying to come against what God is doing. I want us to take um, courage, be uh, encouraged by this story that even though there's people and kings uh, that are coming, trying to oppose what God is doing, God's not going to have any of that. God is victorious. There is a king on the throne. He's the king of kings, Jesus, and he is ruling and reigning, and we are under his authority. And so we don't have to worry. We don't have to live in fear while we're here, even if there are King Herods that are trying to rule over us. We don't have to live in fear and try to please them, but instead we can look to God. And so this story is a perfect illustration of the Psalm 2. What we see in Psalm 2, we see that played out in Acts 12. And what I want to do is I want to read Psalm 2. It's a famous Psalm here, and I just want to read the whole thing. And so I'm going to read Psalm 2, and you can see how this relates to the story in Acts 12. It says, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers conspire together against the Lord and his anointed one. Let's tear off their chains and throw their ropes off of us. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord ridicules them. Then he speaks to them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath. I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will declare the Lord's decree, he said to me. You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possessions. You will break them with an iron scepter. You will shatter them like pottery. So now, kings, be wise. Receive instruction, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with reverential awe and rejoice with trembling. Pay homage to the son or he will be angry and you will perish in your rebellion. For his anger may ignite at any moment. All who take refuge in him are happy. So obviously King Herod didn't look at Psalm 2 very closely and instead um, looked to himself and not God, the King of Kings. And so he wasn't wise. He didn't listen to instructions and he didn't serve the Lord. And what happened is uh, the very, what Psalm 2, 12, two says that you will perish in your rebellion. And so let's take, like once again, take um, encouragement from this passage of scripture. Be encouraged that the Lord is a good king. He's not angry uh, at us. He's not um, upset. Um, and he is a king that rules with justice. Uh, he is angry at kings who try to say that they're gods. So yes, he will take his anger out on that. But for us, as we look to him, he's a good king. He, we can trust in his authority. And so I want to pray right now and just um, thank him for that. So thank you, Jesus, king of all kings, king of the nations. Thank you, Jesus, that you are a good ruler. 
You love us. You give us grace and mercy. We thank you for your justice, Lord. We ask that you would give us peace right now as we look to you in the midst of any type of uh, persecution or troubles or uh, famines that we're living in, Lord. I just pray that we would all look to you and take um, courage in while we live in this world that can be scary and hard. But Lord, we look to you that you are a good king. And so we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.